Welcome to the Be Nice Andy podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Be Nice Andy podcast, sports podcast for the people. My name is John Lee. And I'm Andy Benzwick. In this weekly segment of the State of the Cowboys, um, just like last week, we had another dramatic game. Unfortunately, it uh other side of the coin this week. So the Te- Dallas Cowboys played the Texans. They lost in arguably dramatic fashion and somewhat of a stinker game, in my opinion. Uh, and kind of that battle for Texas, you saw Dallas lose by three to the Texans. So Andy, what do you think of this outcome? What do you think about the game? What do you think about Garrett and his coaching decisions? Yeah, I think this one just pretty much sums up everything that is wrong with the Cowboys. It, this is what drives me nuts week in and week out for the past, I don't know, 10 plus years since Garrett's been with the team. Uh, minus, I guess, if you want to kind of look past all the things that Tony Romo did to hide the fact that Garrett was a terrible head coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one was the prototypical Garrett having no gut, no backbone, and just letting a game slip away where, you know, I'm not sure if you if you watched the entire game or saw kind of, but it's just a situation when you're in overtime and you've got the ball first and you've got a chance to, you know, get on the board, whether it's a touchdown obviously wins the game or a field goal, at least gets you something so that you're not going to lose by a field goal. Uh, fourth and one with, you know, arguably the best running back in the league and the leading rusher this year. Uh, I believe with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys have converted something like 94% of fourth and ones, like 18 of 19 or some, you know, some crazy absurd number like that. And here it is, you know, you're in, in uh, Texans territory in Houston and you got a chance to possibly go win a game and he decides to punt the ball to gain about 20, 25, 30 yards. Uh, And this is just the thing that we've been kind of used to as Cowboys fans. It just drives you absolutely nuts. I know it's easy to second guess and kind of be a Monday morning quarterback and all that, but it's not really that. I mean, I'm watching the game and I'm like, why are you not going for this? Why are you not going for the first down? Try to win the game here. I mean, you've got the, the O-line, the running back, you know, the defense probably tired at this point. You went, you, you serve, you're driving down the field. Uh, Andy, Andy, and quick question. Just, uh, so yeah. I think it was a week ago or so. Um, I brought the other example where they took a chance and it did work out. But then I think people were mentioning the other example with the Colts where I think it was fourth and something and they went for the win or they went for the conversion. They failed. But I think Andrew Luck or then they were saying the locker room you know, they, they back their coach with that decision, stuff like that. Do you remember that decision or that play? Yeah. Well, yeah. you feel the same about their decision? No, because that one was different based on the fact that, number one, the Colts have no running game. That, so, number one, the Colts can't run the ball. Uh, and number two, they were actually in field goal range for the Texans when they did that. So, I mean, they, they were on the other side of the field. They, they basically not getting that first down meant that the Texans were going to have, like, a legit chance to win the game right there if they could, you know, complete one or two plays for a few yards. Um, so, I mean, to the, me, that's a diff, completely different scenario. I think if you got the Cowboys O-line and Ezekiel Elliott versus a Colts offense that just simply can't run, I mean, they, they probably can't even get a yard. So uh, uh, that was the complete opposite. That's something that we're, I can see Garrett doing something like that in that situation and then not doing it in the situation like you should have done. But, yeah, I think those are two very completely different situations. I guess I guess my example with that was, uh, again, uh, it seemed like everyone was saying that, you know, even though it was a bad decision, like going into it, which – all your points make valid sense. They were saying for whatever reason, which seems somewhat counterintuitive, because you're saying like all the statistics, all the math, bad running game makes sense not to do it. So if anything, it seems sounds like a bad coaching decision by Indiana. But at least the public, Andrew Luck, the locker room, it seems like they quote unquote back their coach and like there's some team camaraderie or something like that. So with this Cowboys decision, I guess you don't go for it and you guys lose like you did. And then everyone blames your coach. 
If you did go for it and you failed, do you think nobody would have blamed him for the decision? Yeah, I don't think that it's easy. I mean, I, I think if you go for it in that situation, you can understand why. I and mean, the stats back it up. Like I said, I mean, if you're if you're a team that is comp- uh, converting 94% of those plays on fourth and one, then that stat's going to show up the next day. Ah, you know, Garrett's looking at the stats. He knew that this team is very good at getting fourth and one, whether it's with Zeke going straight up the middle or even Dak, you know, doing a QB sneak. I think this situation is probably a little bit too far to do like a QB sneak because it was a long one um, versus, you know, a fourth and inches or something like that. But uh, just the fact that, you know, you've got the stats to back up that it's something that you complete regularly. It just drives me nuts. And I, I don't think so. I think, like I said, if you look at the stats and you saw that this team is usually converts those and you're about to get into field goal range, I think you can really argue that it was a good move, even if you don't make it. But it's just kind of that football. I mean, you want to have a coach that's got like some backbone, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to shove the ball down your throat and whether you like it or not, I have confidence in my offense versus like, I'm terrified and I'm just going to punt the ball and give this team a chance to win. It's just that whole mentality. It's just a wimpy mentality, if you ask me. It seems it seems like that's totally how the public feels about Garrett. Um, if anything, I caught wind of Will Kane, who, who brought up a great point. You know, when, again, it, it, everyone everyone thinks he should be fired, if not a year ago, two years ago. Um, I, think, I think his question was like, you know, so say he gets fired, like, you know, um, when these coaches do get fired, like a couple options they have are college, uh, the booth, um, go to the go to be a coordinator for another team. Like he was an offensive coordinator before he became a coach. I don't know how he was back then, but you you would imagine now like his um, his credibility has somewhat gone down the drain. Like could he get a professional job like as an assistant somewhere? Do you think he's still good enough for that, or you think he's just lost all credibility? Yeah, I mean I'm sure somebody'd be dumb enough to hire him, but I just I, I just I mean this guy like I don't want him running my team. If I'm if I'm watching what he's done, I mean he's like the prototypical he's like the poster boy for mediocrity at this point like he's here he is where he's got a job at arguably one of the biggest jobs that you could possibly get I mean as a football coach as yeah, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys um, number one franchise uh, value wise in the entire world and it's just like you're just satisfied with like mediocrity I mean his if you if you looked at the few seasons where he's had success um, I mean they're just so outshined by seasons where he failed in my mind and so I'm sure somebody would, would hire him because he's got like the, the, the big time background um, you know in football his father was a scout uh, you know he's been doing football he was an NFL backup quarterback he's been coaching he was an offensive coordinator head coach for the Dallas Cowboys so yeah I'm sure that somebody could put him in a position you know maybe he'd be more successful in college maybe he would be a decent recruiter maybe he would you know basically uh be able to be successful at, at getting kids to perform, but I don't know whether it's a lack of like respect or just overall. I, I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm so, just so sick over it. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you. I mean, I think uh, I think Stephen A is often noted for, um, or I, I think I, I'll take I'll take it back. A lot of people have noted, you know, when a, a coach may not necessarily be bad, but he just has lost that locker room or that team specifically. Like he might do better in a different environment. I I, I just happened to pull up um, Dallas Cowboys boys wiki and so i remember he was he was the offensive coordinator for wade phillips right before Correct. he took over so um who do you think has a better regular season record wade phillips or jason garrett uh, I mean, is a head coach for the Cowboys or overall head coach? Oh, I'm sorry, for the Cowboys, yeah. Uh, just thinking back, like, when Wade Phillips was there. Jeez, it was such a long time ago. I, I, I would probably say that they were probably pretty similar. I mean, for every real good season Garrett has had, he's had a, a couple of equally bad ones. So Wade Phillips, and then, 61%. Jason Garrett, 56%. Yeah, so, I mean, that's exactly it. And they fired Wade Phillips, too. So, so this was my exact point. Coach. You, as a lifelong Cowboys 
fan, and I will note, and I'm totally, I, I, I must not have been paying attention. Oh, this was Dak's rookie year then. Okay. I didn't realize that Jason Garrett won coach of the year for that year. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he basically got handed. It, it, like, he had, he's had some good teams. I mean, last season was a very capable team. I mean, that team could have absolutely gone, you know, 13 and 3 or 12 and 4, depending on probably who's starting quarterback and a few decisions here and there in the coaching. But, I mean, I think the other big thing, aside from the fact that Garrett is just not going to be a winning head coach, is the next point that I've been driving home, been going absolutely nuts over the fact that Dak Prescott is not a NFL quarterback. He's not starting NFL quarterback. And the clear, clear difference between Dak Prescott and um, some of these guys that are kind of like on the rise, like Watson, for example, Watson playing through, you know, a chest injury in this game and just shredded a decent Cowboys defense later in the game. And you can just see the clear difference between those two quarterbacks and what they're capable of. So out of curiosity, when they let go Wade Phillips for Garrett, were you big on that move? Like, I don't, I, I faintly recall the Wade Phillips era, but like, were you excited to have Garrett? I don't know how much cloud he had coming in, but. I don't think I was excited. I, I, okay. I didn't really love Garrett play calling at the time as it was. I mean, I think that at the time he had kind of been a little bit more creative because he was in his first couple seasons really doing that. And uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Wade Phillips as a head coach. I mean, the guy, to me, he, he was a pushover, kind of a, um, I think the team needed more disciplines, more of like a Parcells type or a Belichick or somebody that's going to take accountability and kind of, pu- you know, push the team into some sense of toughness. But so I wasn't a fan of, of Wade Phillips as a head coach. I love him as defense coordinator. But yeah, if I was going to pick, I mean, Jason Garrett wouldn't have been my guy. I wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been my selection even back then. So two more quick things on the Cowboys before we move on. So like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of some of these superstar guys like um, Shanahan or um, uh, that, that Rams head coach where they'd be, you know, superstar coordinators that became head coaches. And he, on the flip side, I guess I could argue it the opposite way. What that uh, Spagnolia, who was that defensive guru on the Giants that just didn't pan out as a head coach. Um, any, again, I don't know how well you know coordinators, but any superstar coordinators or head coaches, or I guess you could argue even college coaches that you think, you know, if they did eventually fire Garrett, that you think would make a good fit? Because the Cowboys seem like a good job. I mean, outside of the ownership and some of that stuff, but like talent, market, seems like a good job. Like anyone jump out at you that you'd love to have? Um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't think there's anyone specific in the NFL that I would go crazy over outside of, you know, someone like Belichick or, you know, somebody like that. I think that they go and they're going to try to do, and even, it wasn't even just like Jason Garrett, but the Cowboys prior to Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett, they made a bunch of dumb decisions before then too, just to have puppets. I mean, they had like Dave Campo as a head coach and the Cowboys, they're going to always go for a particular type of coach that is going to not demand as much um, power. I guess, or say, in the personnel and those types of things. So I think if you look at the type of coaches that would be appealing, whether there are coordinators or, you know, McVay, for example, with the Rams, I mean, he completely went in there and he just made a ton of changes. Sure. He was able to get the players that he wanted. He was able to get the coaches that he wanted. Uh, he handpicked Wade Phillips. He wanted him as his defensive coordinator. He kind of had like a, I don't know, the type of personality, I guess, that he could draw free agents. People want to play for him. You're not going to be able to get a guy that that is going to have that much control with the Cowboys because Jerry Jones still needs so much control. I mean, even when you look 
look back at like Parcells with the Cowboys, the biggest thing was, uh, you know, him saying if, if he's going to cook dinner, then you should at least let him shop for the grocery. And that's the, the thing that you always think back of with the Cowboys. Like, aside from the fact that you're not going to draw that type of head coach, um, even if you did bring in that type of head coach, he's probably still not going to have like free range to make the decisions that would make the team successful. I mean, there's a ton of personnel issues on the Cowboys. And like I said, I know a few times, I mean, $30 million in blown salary cap money that that's not a head coach's problem. That's, that's the front office problem. And, you know, uh, part, part of obviously choosing a quarterback like Dak Prescott that doesn't just go on Jason Garrett, but that also goes with the front office and some of those decisions and they're dead wrong about the guy. And they still seem to be dead wrong about him. So, I mean, there are some coaches that I think could do a great job. Um, I, I know they came out with some listings of potential replacements. A lot of them are in the college football rank, uh, but it's tough for me. I mean, just to kind of look and say, hey, I would love to have this guy, knowing the fact that they're only going to have so much control over what they can do. I mean, imagine having a guy like Nick Saban. I know he wasn't real successful when he went to the Dolphins, but if, if you could put a guy like that in place and then maybe just let him make the personnel decisions uh, where he did learn from Belichick and been successful in college and somebody like that, I, I just don't see a personality like that being a head Cowboys head coach. So it'll probably be somebody that's a little bit more under the radar. Um, yeah, and, so I was just trying to yeah. think out loud. Um, since you said your personnel is kind of catered for defense at the moment, um, and again, you think it's highly unlikely that uh, the Joneses would give up control. Um, if I don't know. I don't know. Terry Jones looks like a healthy guy, I mean, for his age. If he was just like, man, I want really one run at this and I'm willing to give up control, would you, who would you rather have, Pete Carroll or like Nick Saban? Kind of, I'm two defensive guys that I thought of off the top of my head. I mean, I like both of them. I like Pete Carroll. I mean, he's, he's been successful at the NFL level. Uh, I would prefer, I just think, uh, not so much personality, but just, uh, I don't know. Nick Saban has like kind of a presence about him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I think totally, totally. he's got that kind of presence about him where I think that a coach like that could take control of the locker room and get the most out of his players. And if he was really, really committed to it and, you know, he felt comfortable about being the Cowboys head coach for the next 10 years or five years or, you know, something where he knows that he's going to be there and he's going to be in place and he's going to be able to make the personnel decisions, then I would love to have a guy like Saban and take a chance on a guy like that. It's a little bit different in the NFL. I mean, I think that Saban probably realized that because when you're recruiting, I mean, there's pretty much no limit to the type of talent that you can bring in. It's not like you've got a salary cap to adhere to. I mean, he's kind of got these teams running like Alabama, for example. He gets them running and then it's like recruits want to play. He's going to get every five-star recruit that wants to play. They might be on the bench. Their bench is probably better than most Division I starters, you know, so he's not going to have that same type of success. But a guy like that, price-wise, I would love to have and see kind of how that goes. Because I think Jason Garrett, if I have to see him clapping his hands one more time (laughs) on an interception or a fumble or something like that, I'm going to lose my mind well quick quickly looking ahead um it doesn't it looks okay i mean you guys are two and three yeah unfortunately you guys get the jaguars next week and then you guys got the washington football team and then the titans I think it's, I mean, I'd be shocked if you guys did the Jaguars personally, but I wouldn't put it out there that you guys couldn't go two and one in those next three games. I mean, you think you guys could, you think you could be the Titans of the Redskins, right? Well, this is just the kind of stupid thing that the Cowboys will do, though. It's like they'll go out and they'll beat the Jaguars this weekend they for no tough. reason. I mean, sure. they'll go out and they'll beat the Jaguars this re- this, this uh, weekend, and then they'll lose to the Titans and the Redskins. And this is the thing that drives me absolutely nuts about them because there's just no consistency. I mean, I don't want them to beat the Jaguars. At this point, I don't want them to beat the Jaguars. I don't want them to beat the Titans, and I don't want 
want to beat the Redskins. I want this team to go, what are they right now? They're two and three. I want them to go two and 14. So wow. Garrett can go. So Dak can go. And the rest of the team can go. I, I just, I, I'm so tired of it. And then another one, Sean Lee. I'm tired of Sean Lee. This guy, wow. when he's on the field, he's one of the best linebackers. He's one of the best defensive players you'll see. The guy misses five to 10 games every season. And it's like a new thing every time. And it, so it's like, I, I don't know what, I just don't know what they're doing at this point. And so, yeah, it's a, I mean, they're right now, they're in the exact spot that I don't want them to be in where they're right now, they're fighting to be eight and eight. They're destined to be like an eight and eight team where they're going to get a crap mid-round draft pick. They're not going to make the right pick. They're going to get, you know, some mediocre talent or whatever. And I want them to blow it up. I want them to be two and 14, get the number one pick, select a real quarterback that can throw the ball more than five yards. And then we got our guy for the next 10 to 12. 15 years if they pick the right guy. And I'm not even sure who that is right now in college. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. college football season. Um, well, it seems like you're kind of out on your Cowboys this year. Um, speaking about another team that you're out on, this Yankees-Red Sox series. I was personally excited. You know, I think going into the season, you hear all these deifying the Yankees, their amazing batting lineup, uh, Red Sox historic season this year. Um, I was looking for a really great series. It, you could argue somewhat surprising, right? That game one, Sale looked like he had it locked up. You guys come back, almost come back. Um, this last game, I, I literally thought it was over. And then that was a super exhilarating setting, uh, ninth inning. And I thought I, I would have, even as a Red Sox fan, of course, wanting the win there, I wouldn't have minded an epic game five. It would have been great or at least going to extra innings. Who knows? But then the other game, you know, kind of sloppy, kind of um, you know, price got knocked up. And then, you know, that 16-1 game. So how did you feel about the Yankees in this whole game and especially the last two games? I mean, the series in the last two, two games. Typically. I mean, I think it was humiliating. I think that it, it's absolutely like losing a game 16-1. to Like they got beat by two touchdowns, like in a, in a playoff game. Like I just don't understand how it happens in the playoffs where like you think when you've got the best bullpen or one of the best bullpens in all of baseball that even if your starter came out and did a crap job that you'd at least be able to get a couple of relievers in there quick enough that they could kind of put out the fire but no I mean number one Severino I, I want him gone I don't want to see him again I don't want to see him pitch another game for the Yankees the Yankees entire franchise throughout the years is kind of based off of like winners toughness and guys that come through in the clutch those guys that can't come through in the clutch situations have no business no business wearing pinstripes and now it's two years in a row I know he's young I don't care how young he is the guy has been like up and down he has these up and down moments throughout the season where it's like people start thinking this guy's a number one starter he's going to be your number one guy in the playoffs and then he comes into the playoffs he just gets rocked like I don't want to see him pitch in the playoffs I don't even want to see him pitch a playoff game ever again so even if they keep him on the team I don't want to ever see him pitch in the playoffs because quite honestly even the game that he didn't pitch too bad in, in the wild card he pitched he, he pitched four innings you know he pitched four innings it was up up to almost 100 pitches and he basically wiggled out of a bunch of big jams where the game could have gotten out of hand I mean one little you know loop base hit or number off the bat to left field and it's two three four runs and four innings so to me that guy is not a big game pitcher and he's not a number one starter maybe he's a number three or number four starter but if the Yankees don't go out and they don't get like legit starting pitching and this isn't this isn't something that's like new in baseball I mean they saw it last year. The reason they lost the Astros is because their starting pitching beat them up. And then what do they do this year? They go out and try to be a better team by bringing up a couple of their young guys who it was great getting Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar. And those guys did a great job. But when all, when all said and done in the playoffs, good, good pitching beats good hitting every time. And this is what you saw in the playoffs. You got a bunch of guys who can't do anything little ball wise. 
the, the Yankees either hit a home run or they don't score. It's as simple as that. You could have a guy in third base with no out and they won't get him home unless they hit a home run because that's, that's the type of baseball they play. And it's just the type of thing that just drives me nuts about this team and I'm tired of watching it. And I love the young talent. I love it. But if they don't go out and get like two top flight pitchers, starting pitchers, then they're not going to be any better next year than they were this year because they got absolutely humiliated by the one team that you cannot get humiliated by. <laughs> it, it, losing by 15 runs and then getting beat two games in a row in New York by Boston. It's as bad as it gets. And the other thing I want to say real quick before you know I, I shut up is if you look at like managers, I think Boone is a crap manager. I don't care wow. what the analytics say. I don't care what the I don't care what the stats say. I think he's a crap manager. And if you look back to the Yankee teams that won championships or even the other teams that win championships, usually like you got one manager that pushes the right buttons. It has a way of pushing the right buttons like Joe Torre used to do. It seems like every guy that Joe Torre put into like pinch hit would come up big or every bullpen move or, you know, every starting pitcher, he'd maybe go against the grain and kind of have a gut feeling about somebody. He'd push the right button. That's what I saw from, from the Red Sox manager. That's what I saw from Cora. It seemed like every single move he made was the right move, whether it made sense or didn't make sense. Whereas Boone, it just seems like every move or decision he made was the wrong decision. So I think there's something there as well. They were so quick to get rid of Girardi, who took him one game away from the World Series. And, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of Girardi, but just based on what I've seen from Boone, I think he's a pushover. I think the players are messing around, and I just, I'm not happy with him, if you can tell. So, <laughs> I could tell. Um, I mean, again, you guys have been touted um, your amazing lineup, which, again, I, I was terrified every time you guys got up. But then, you know, I definitely blew a big sigh of relief more often than I expected every time we got kind of got our situation. I mean, I know we have pretty good pitching ourselves, and the Astros have amazing pitching. Um, like, yeah, I was a little surprised by the Yankees' offense. I mean, in that, again, sure, 16 points is a lot, but then one run by you guys, uh, three with, I think, I think both of the, the two uh, the two scores were in the ninth inning. But yeah, for a long time, it's just like one one run or zero from you guys. Um, how did you guys feel? How did you feel about the lineup and your big hitters and kind of overall how, how your bats were doing? Well, for one, I mean, I think Stanton's a choke artist. I mean, he's he's probably never played a big game in his life, and it kind of showed in the playoffs because it, it's kind of like when the Yankees are winning or losing by 12 runs, he'll hit a home run, and then in a big spot where you need a run or you need two runs, you got the bases loaded late in the game, he's gonna strike out every single time. It's like he's going to strike out. And so to talk about the lineup, I mean, Aaron Judge is a big Yankee. He's a Yankee. He's a prototypical Yankee. He's going to get some big hits. He's going to come up big in the big spot. Um, I mean, I think they need to make a few changes there, too. I mean, as great of a defensive player as Brett Gardner is, can't hit. I mean, I don't think he got a hit in the entire playoffs. And, you know, I love Gardner throughout his career. He's, a, he's you know, he's a gamer. He's got that great attitude. He's a leader. He's a great defensive player. But, I mean, I don't think he got a hit. And when you're going up against some of these pitchers that they're going up against, um, you need guys that are going to do something. At least move a guy over. You know, be able to bun, be able to do something to get on base. I know he walks sometimes, but that doesn't usually get a run in from third base. Um just a big disappointment, really. But that part of it, I'm not that surprised because they are an all-or-nothing team. They're a home run or nothing team. Got it. And so I'm, I wasn't as surprised by that as I was frustrated about pitching. All right. That's fair. Um, I probably pains you to talk about the rest of the playoffs, but how do you see the rest of the playoffs going out, like, real quickly? Like, the Red Sox, the Astros coming out of the AL? You I can't root think, for the Red Sox, I, right? I can't root for the Red Sox. No, I'll never root for the Red Sox. I mean, I hope they don't win a game. Like, I hope that sure. their bus breaks down on the way to the ballpark <laughs> and they end up forfeiting. But but, no, I mean, I, I think that the Astros are, despite the regular season record, I mean, I still think the Astros are going to be the toughest team to beat because they've got such great uh, starting pitching. They've got a better bullpen than Boston. 
Um, their hitters seem to be very clutch. I mean, there's a few guys that on you know on the on the Astros that just seem to get big hits all the time. Um, I think it'll be a good series. I, I wouldn't I guess. be surprised to see it go seven games. I mean, I just think that when it's all said and done, if you've got Verlander versus Sale, I I would be I, I feel like Verlander will win or he'll find a way to win. I don't know. For, he just kind of proved that to me last year. Yeah, like I I'm, I would say I'm a casual baseball fan. So like ignoring the Red Sox bias for you for a second as a baseball fan, are you more would you are you more excited to see the outcome of a Astros Red Sox series or an Astros Dodgers series? I guess those seem to be like the most talked about team. Like what do you think would be yeah. like, an awesome matchup? Oh gosh, uh, I mean I'm so biased. I hate the Red Sox so much that <laughs> right. just the thought of them winning a game makes me sick. But that being said, I mean I think I obviously think that a huge matchup would be like interest wise, just pure interest wise, like national interest wise. I feel like Red Sox Dodgers probably be a really good series. People would be interested. I don't think that Houston really draws the same attention that like the Yankees or Boston does or the Dodgers for that matter. Um, yeah, it's really so, unfortunate. I, mean, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think on paper, I think the the Dodgers versus the Red Sox would probably be a more interesting series for people nationally. But um, you know, I, I think Houston versus Milwaukee would be pretty interesting too. I mean, I think Milwaukee being like a big time underdog would be an interesting story. You know. So moving on, let's uh, let's hop back to football. Um, again, it seems like an annual, if not uh, semi-annual occurrence where OBJ does something, if not talks about his team, and um, media kind of goes crazy. And uh, it doesn't seem like much happens in terms of reprimand or punishment. And then, you know, things kind of go as is. Um, so OBJ made some comments recently, kind of firestorm. What do you make of this whole OBJ thing? Yeah, I think this is kind of goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, too, where what which we know what player, we know what kind of player OBJ is, but <clears throat> when you make a guy the highest paid receiver, like in NFL history, which I believe that's the contract he got, or is the highest paid receiver, he's the highest paid receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think a lot of that based off of like, who is that guy in the locker room and what type of leader or person did you just sign to this major contract? And I think there's still questions. I mean, it seems like he's a big baby. And I know that some wide receivers kind of get frustrated at times and they get annoyed and but you can't. I just you can't throw your teammates under the bus. I don't care what the situation is. I you you just don't throw your teammates under the bus. You don't throw your coaches under the bus uh, to the media or to the public. I mean, if you want to have conversations like in the locker room with other players, if you're frustrated about play calling or if you're frustrated about a, you know your quarterback play, uh, you know maybe have the conversation with them. But if you if you start airing this stuff out to the media, especially when you're like in a market like New York, for example, and you've got a, a guy like Eli. Manning, who I've got plenty to say about Eli Manning. I think he's one of the most overrated quarterbacks, like statistically. I think that he doesn't measure up to the best quarterbacks of his generation. But the one thing that Eli is, the class act, great teammate. He's a gamer. He'll go out there. He's gonna give his. He's gonna give it his all all the time. He's gonna be a great teammate. He's never gonna throw anybody under the bus. And I just don't see how a teammate could go and throw him under the bus. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna keep going out there and start and continue to start until he gets pulled off the field. Obviously, right? I mean, but I just think that when a player like that goes out of his way to kind of throw people under the bus, it's just a bad look. It's not professional. And this is the type of player that we see. I mean, he's having he's having fights on the sidelines with kicking that. You know, this is the type of player he's been. And for all the crap you hear about, like, the Ocho Cinco's and the T.O.'s and the Des Bryant's and all that stuff, I think that his crap has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. And, he's you know, people have called him out on it. But when you get that big of a contract, I think it's a problem. And I think it's 
just going to continue to get worse if, if they don't, if they continue to lose. I think you're going to see complete meltdowns if this team continues to lose and he's not seeing what he wants to see as a player. So devil's advocate. I mean, I had never thought I'd see myself defending OBJ, but um, you know, I, I guess from a different perspective, you could say that he looks super passionate. Like I'm just trying to think of some examples like, you know, uh, Lisa basketball, Tim Duncan. I don't know Julio Jones so well, but like, you know, in the past we said that he's just, he's not one of those diva quarterbacks. He kind of just head down, does his job, but you know, the Falcons kind of suck, right? If anything, I, it would be kind of a breath of fresh air if someone like Julio Jones is like, Hey man, you know, something's not wrong with our offense. And in that situation, like behind closed doors probably makes more sense out of respect. But could you look at this? Like maybe OBJ has tried to say something to Eli behind closed doors and nothing's changed. And he feels like if I do it out in public, that kind of public, you know, embarrassment will make him step up his game. I'm not, I'm not advocating it, but uh, as, as, as a fan, you kind of like, okay, this guy at least cares about his job. He's, he's not just happy collecting his checks and just not trying, not caring about winning. Do you buy that at all? Or even if that were the case, you still think it's like disrespectful and not professional? I think it's, I still think it's disrespectful and not professional. I don't think you ever publicly throw your quarterback under the bus or a teammate. I just think it, it doesn't matter to me if, if he's had the conversation with Eli. I still don't think that you, I, I, I'll never agree with a player throwing his team and his coaching staff under the bus. Like, in my opinion, like every player is replaceable. And if that's the type of attitude that you're going to get out of one of your star players, that that's not being a leader. Like in no circumstance is that being a leader. That's not going to bring the team together. He goes out and he says in, a, in another interview follow, you know, following that, that he doesn't regret what he says. And we know what Eli is. And even if you think that it doesn't matter, you don't throw your teammate under the bus. It's not something like that is not bringing your team closer together. It's just not, there's going to be plenty of guys that are going to defend their quarterback. that are going to defend Eli because they have so much respect for him that there's no way that an entire locker room is going to come together and just be like, Oh yeah, you know, this guy thinks so bad that thank God, you know, OBJ threw him under the bus, the media. It's just not the right thing to do. And so, yeah, I, I mean, for that, I'll never, I'll just never agree with it. I think he's a selfish crybaby. And I think that he's showing what kind of we thought about him, where he's getting into fight. He's lost so much composure. The guy cannot hold his composure on the field. He loses it. He got into a fight with Norman. I think he got ejected from the game, the one against uh, when getting into that fight with Norman a couple seasons ago. And he, he loses himself so much that it actually affects his performance on the field, where he starts dropping passes, you know, fighting kicking nets and all that stuff and I just think that it shows like a ton of immaturity and for me like I said I don't care what team it is I don't care how much I dislike Eli as a football player um I like the guy as a person as a human being as like a leader I think he's a great leader and I just think it's a bad look all around and I think the coach kind of summed that up in his post game uh, so and, yeah. Andy your your best friend uh Dak Prescott so you know you you've voiced your opinions about Dak and you've been in a uh football locker room so you're you're on you're on the cowboys and you know maybe it's not the case but you you feel like dak is the one that's problem uh, you know outside garrett but you know you you feel like even if garrett's there if dak was playing average to above average you guys could still win some games how would your approach be would you just still always behind closed doors always keep it private and and if you never improved you'd still just behind closed doors it or like what would your approach be yeah as a player like your job isn't to make personnel decisions as okay. a player your job is to perform on the field with the players that are out there with 
with you, be a great teammate, be a leader, and be a winner in every way possible. So if I'm on the Cowboys, obviously I'm very vocal about things right now outside of the situation. If I'm on the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's my quarterback, I am going to talk him up every chance I can get because I think that that's going to ultimately make him a better player. I don't think that any player performs better when they're looking over their shoulder and they have teammates talking behind their back. I don't think any player will perform better in that situation. I think that, you know, you could say that it'll light a fire under them or it'll, you know, maybe make them work harder. I don't think that there's an issue with, like, Dak Prescott working hard. I think he wants to be the best player he can. I think he works hard. But if you're in that locker room, see him. If I saw the player working hard every day, I'm going to continue to support him. If, you know, maybe I'll have a conversation with a coach if I think that the guy's just simply not good. You can have a conversation with your coaches or the front office and be like, hey, I don't know. You know, I'm a wide receiver and I just simply can't get the ball because the guy keeps missing me. You know, maybe have a conversation behind closed doors, try to air it out like that. But I don't think that you ever do it in a a way that, you know, makes the the guy look bad to the public and to the media, especially because they're going to really blow that up. And and now you're starting to see some of the Cowboys wide receivers are coming out and they are making comments. They're, They're talking about the play calling. They're talking about the ball not being thrown to them. They're saying they are open because that big misconception that everybody keeps talking about when you're watching a game and you don't see the whole field is that none of these wide receivers, because they're not big name wide receivers, none of them are open. They are open. I see them open. I watch the games back. I see these guys. They're open where they're supposed to be. And you've got a quarterback missing them. That being said, if you're the player, you go out, you play, you do the best you can and try to have closed door conversations. I'll never agree with throwing one of your teammates under the bus publicly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I guess, you know, when I hear about um, sports media talk about how basketball, a single player has more of an effect on the game, where football, it's, it's probably more frustrating, right? Like if you're running back, sure, you depend on the O-line and play calling, et cetera. But if you're a wide receiver, your game's almost totally dependent on your quarterback. So no matter how good you are, if you have an average to below average quarterback, you're going to feel the effects probably much more so than any combination other than like a quarterback if they have a horrible like, you know, offensive line or something like that that can't protect them or something. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to keep a close eye. I mean, I feel like this is never going to stop. And uh, in this kind of OBJ versus Eli thing with Eli almost out the door, it would almost seem obvious that ownership would stick with OBJ. Such a big investment as well. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I could just jump in one more time. No, of course. Yes, of course. I, think, I think that they will. I think that they'll stick with him to a point. But I think if it becomes like a more common occurrence, it then like just getting rid of Eli is not going to solve everything problem Giants have. And like I said, I've, I've been the, probably as critical as anybody's ever been about <laughs> Eli Manning as a quarterback, but you're still not just going to guarantee, you're not going to go out and just get a Aaron Rodgers. Like, it doesn't happen that way. If you look at like the, the quarterbacks that get drafted and like the, what the learning curve is, it, there's no guarantees out there. And the one thing that Eli, I think, does bring that's positive is that you kind of know what you get from Eli. If you've got a good enough coaching staff and you can put good enough players around him, at least you kind of know what you're going to get from Eli. He's going to be consistently taking chances. He's going to throw some interceptions. He's going to throw some touchdowns. He's going to make some big plays in some big spots. Um, You know, he's going to probably throw some bad interceptions in big spots, but he can stretch the field if he, if he does have the amount of the correct amount of time, they've had a ton of offensive line issues that they still haven't seemed to be able to figure out. And no, like not many quarterbacks fix that. Like I think Saquon Barkley being on the team has, has made things a little bit better because the guy can make something out of nothing. Um, And that's kind of why they went out and drafted him and that's why they went out and got a guard in the um, second round and made some of the moves but there's no guarantee that you're going to get a better quarterback than Eli Manning once he retires or once you release him you get him off the team I mean last season they (laughs) 
Last season, they benched Eli, and they put Geno Smith in there. I mean, yeah. as much as I don't like Eli Manning as a quarterback, I mean, under no circumstance am I ever going to say that Geno Smith's a better quarterback than Eli Manning, and that's just the sure. type of issue that you're going to get into. Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to get a better quarterback. So now, every time a quarterback has a bad game, you have to worry about your, you know, $100 million wide receiver throwing them under the bus and throwing a temper tantrum on the sidelines. I, I just think it's an issue. I think it's a big issue. I think the teams need to nip that in the bud before it continues to be a big problem. Well, yeah, I think, that, yeah, definitely the Giants got to find their quarterback in the future. But um, our other weekly segment was 2018 freshman quarterback checking class, mouthful. They went 4-0. Um, we got the Browns beating the Ravens 12-9 in OT. We got the Jets winning 34-16 to against the Broncos. We got the Bills winning 13-12 in Nailbiter against the Titans. And we got the Cardinals beating the 49ers 28-18. I don't know. What do you think about this uh, freshman quarterback class? I mean, personally, the Baker Mayfield's a winner. Um, he's single-handedly making me watch the Browns. It's uh, it's really great to watch. But uh, what do you think about these four quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if first and foremost, I think it's so hard to win football games in the NFL that when you've got your top draft pick quarterback doing that, I think it's really impressive because if you've got a quarterback that was drafted that high, it means your team was pretty crappy last year. <laughs> so I think when you, especially when you talk about the Browns, for example, um, and I know that they didn't absolutely completely light up the scoreboard um, this past week against tough Baltimore defense, but you still, as a rookie quarterback, throwing for 342 yards, touchdown, interception, you know that he's going to make some mistakes. It's going to happen as a rookie because he's just going to try to do a little bit too much. That's a little bit who he is. But just the fact that he's getting up and down the field, he looks like a legit playmaker as a quarterback. And I mean, so I continue to be extremely impressed with Baker Mayfield. Um, I think the Jets, obviously, uh, you know, they continue to do, you know, surprise you here and there. I mean, they're going to have a bad game. They're going to have a good game. Um, but to see them all go 4-0 this past week, to me, that's pretty impressive. I think out of all of them, I still think Josh Allen probably has the biggest um, amount of work to do, I think, just his, okay. his overall accuracy. I mean, I still think talent-wise, I still I still love him. I still put him up there. But I think that just overall, um, where he's at, I, I think he could have really benefited from probably at least sitting a year on the bench. Um, and I'm just looking at the stats right now. I'm trying to look at these these games. I mean, Darnold didn't exactly have a great a great game efficiency-wise. I mean, he was 10 of 22 passing, um, 198 yards. He did have three passing touchdowns, which obviously if you can get the ball in the end zone, um, that kind of hides the fact that you completed under 50% of your passes. Um, but uh, Buffalo has kind of surprised me a little bit. I mean, just the fact that they're kind of hanging in there, it looks like after that disaster that they had in week one, it's like their defense has slowly be, you know, become a little bit more effective. Um, Josh Allen, 10 of 19, 82 yards. <laughs> he threw for 82 yards in the game uh, with no touchdowns and interceptions. Somehow won 13 to 12. So, you know, you got a better um, performance out of McCoy this week. Looked like he was healthy and uh, trying to remember what uh, what did Rose, uh, yeah, he did in 2018. I mean, yeah, so all, all four of them, I mean, they won games, but obviously looking at Josh Allen, <laughs> 80-something yards passing, that, you're not going to win many, very many games when you only pass for 80-something yards. But somehow he managed to do that. Um, Rosen was 10 to 25, 170 yards, so still a lot of work. I mean, kind of a pretty interesting that all those quarterbacks won with those kind of weak performances, but he is win games, right? Yeah, no, no, that's for sure. Um, let's hop into our another new segment where we're going to go week to week and we're going to make picks on the NFL games with the spread. These will be kind of our picks and then uh, kind of our in, like a quick quick input into in terms of why we made the pick, basically. All right, so let's start off with tonight's Thursday night game: um, the Eagles at the Giants. Eagles are favored by one point. Who do you like? I'm going to go with the Eagles. I think. Uh 
I think Wentz is kind of getting his feet underneath him. I think the Giants are still going to continue to struggle. I think coming off of last week where Eli hasn't really been performing great, um, I just think that the defending world champs are going to be a bad Giants team. So I've got them winning that one. I got the Eagles as well. Next game, uh, Sunday at 1, I, we got the Bucks at the Falcons. Falcons are favored by 3. Yeah, I think that the Bucks are a little bit of a mess right now. Uh, I think even though Atlanta got humiliated this past weekend, I think they'll, they still have uh, the playmakers to take advantage of the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks defense can stop anybody. And uh, I think if, if, if Atlanta can kind of get something going on the ground and start hitting some of their guys in the passing game where Tampa's really struggled, I think that's going to be a real tough one for Tampa to, to kind of hold them down. So you got the Falcons? I got the Falcons. Yeah, I know. I got the Falcons, too. I think they have too much talent. I think their playoff season's already over, sadly. So I think they're better off just taking it for a pick. But uh, I think they have too much talent on their team, too. So they should win this game as well. Um, we got the Panthers at the Redskins. At, uh, I think the Redskins are a one-point favorite. Yeah, I don't know what to – I mean, this is a weird game. I mean, <laughs> Washington got, like, humiliated this past week. It's, it looked like they were there to, like, watch Drew Brees throw for, like, 500 yards. I mean, Seriously. I don't – know what Washington feel is. I mean, uh, I think Carolina is going to, I know it's minus one, but I think Carolina is going to find a way to take that game for whatever reason. I just think that they're going to beat Washington this week. Same here. Totally agreed. Um, we got the Seahawks at the Raiders. Um, the Seahawks are 2.5 favorites. Who do you like? Uh, the Seahawks. I think that they're going to win the game outright. I don't think the Raiders, uh, the Raiders haven't really shown me too much this season. And I still think that um, Russell Wilson is going to kind of shred that defense. Uh, I, don't, I think the Seahawks Seattle defense will be able to get after Oakland enough, and I, I think they're going to win that game outright. I agree with you, and because I'm anti-Gruden, so uh, <laughs> Colts at the Jets. Jets are three, uh, two point five point favorites at home. Would be like I think Indianapolis is going to find a way to win this one. Uh, oddly enough, I think they make it a little spark. I think Marlon Mack's going to come back, and they haven't. Indianapolis hasn't been able to run the ball at all this season. I know that the Jets have a little bit of a tough defense, but for some reason, I think that something is going to kind of shake up. I think maybe they'll get a couple big plays in the running game. Uh, I think Andrew Luck will be able to kind of move the ball on them. I think Indianapolis' defense, even though I don't really like it too much, I think that they'll probably be able to cause a couple turnovers against uh, Darnold and, and be able to pull that one out. I should agree with you. I kind of like the Colts offense. I'm a little worried that uh, they're playing outside instead of at home, but I think the Colts can win it too. Um, Cardinals at the Vikings. Vikings are 10-point favorites. Who do you like? Jeez, uh, point spread-wise, that's a tough one, man. And ten, ten and a half. I think I think Minnesota's going to put it together this weekend, and I think they're really going to beat up Arizona. So I'm actually going to go with Minnesota on that, despite the big point spread. Uh, I, I don't trust Arizona's offense at all. I think that Minnesota's defense still has capabilities of making some good plays, especially in their secondary. Uh, so I'm going to go with Minnesota covering that one. I agree with you. I, I think they're a really good team. Like at the beginning of the season, I just think they've been playing badly at the beginning. So uh, we got the Steelers at the Bengals. Bengals are two point favorites at home. That's a tough one because. Both teams, uh, Steelers are kind of been up and down. Uh, coming off a huge win versus Atlanta, I think I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I think maybe they're maybe they're getting things together. Uh, I don't trust Cincinnati. I've never trusted Cincinnati. Uh, so something's telling me I think uh, Pittsburgh may be heading in the right direction. I think this is the first one we disagree on. Uh, yeah, Steelers, their points last week. I was just like, they're they're actually back, and then. I, I think the Bengals look good so far, but they've looked good at the beginning of every season. So uh, 
I think I'm going to go with the Bengals just because uh, Perfect Strangers is back this week. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> we got Chargers at the Browns. Ooh, good game. At, um, Chargers are favored by one, and this is at Cleveland. I'm going with the Brownies. Same I think they're going to get a win. They've been impressive, man. They could be, I mean, the Browns could, could be, I they mean, could be this season. Yeah, yeah. They, they've, yeah, they've just had some bad breaks kind of in Browns fashion, but the Chargers don't impress me so much that I think that they're going to necessarily go in and beat up on Cleveland. I think Cleveland's defense has been pretty tough at times, and uh, if they can kind of slow down the Chargers running game and uh, get something going offensively, I still think the Browns have a good chance of winning that one. So we both agree on the Browns. Um, so when you got the Bills at the Texans, Texans are 10-point favorites at home. I have no idea. I have no idea what to think about <laughs> no. the Browns. Uh, I mean, about the Bills. No, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Houston at home. I think uh, I think Buffalo's luck is going to run out. Yeah, I don't think you can throw for 85 yards. I think if you've got if you've got Jadavion Clowney and JJ Watt um, getting after Allen, I think that there's a potential that he could throw three, maybe four interceptions if, if they get behind in that game. I just think it's going to be a real tough one for Buffalo. I actually agree with you on uh, Buffalo's offense versus Texans defense. But on the flip side, Deshaun Watson has somewhat let me down this season. And to your earlier point, the Bills' defense looks out. I think this is going to be a close, like, 13-10 game. So I, I just – I think the Texans are going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover 10 points. So I like the Bills. Okay. All right. Um, we got the Bears. You think the, you think the Bills can score 10 points? Well, I, I, even, I'll put it this way. I don't think I don't think the Texans will score more than 10. So either, like, 13-3. Maybe they'll be pushed. Maybe they'll be pushed 13 You think three, it might so be, like, a safety? Like, maybe Houston will win, like, 2 to nothing? Yeah, like, I just like think it's going to be a safety. Like, they'll sack Allen in the end zone. and Yeah, something along those yeah, right, I, I, I definitely you. don't think the Bills' offense is going to do anything. Um, we got the Bears at the Dolphins. Um, interesting game. We got the Bears, three point five favorite. Do you like? I'm going with the Bears. I mean, the Bears' defense has been phenomenal this season. I've got them on my fantasy team. I was lucky to get them off the free agent list. Uh, and uh, I think Mac is going to go out there and cause all kinds of havoc. I don't know what Miami's doing right now. I mean, it's they've got the weirdest. Like, I don't know if I should trust Hannahill. I don't know what they're doing in the running game. You, you, you go into the season and you think like Kenyon Drake is going to have a breakout year, and here it is. They're handing the ball off to you know 45 year old Frank Gore and killing my fantasy team by not giving the ball to Drake. I, I just don't know what the what the Dolphins are. I completely lost faith in them uh, last week with what they did versus the Patriots. So uh, I think that the the Bears are going to continue to put it together. Oh, it's funny. I, I think the Bears are going to... I'll put it to you this way. I can almost look at Trubitsky's stat line and I can tell you if they're going to win or lose. I think if he plays average to good, the Bears easily beat them. If He he would have to he has to play piss-ass four for them to lose. So I think the Bears will beat Miami by more than three and a half. So I got the Bears as well. Okay. Uh, we got the Rams at the Broncos. Four o'clock game. Um, the Rams are seven-point favorite uh, away. So who do you like? This is a weird one. You know what? Uh, this one, this is one where I'm kind of beating myself because I remember last year when I, I, had, I started to feel real confident about the Cowboys and what they were doing with their run game, and then they went into the, into Denver and they just got absolutely humiliated by the Broncos. Um, I think that the Rams are extremely high in themselves right now. Uh-uh. I think. Do it. Do I think it. that the. I think that I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the if the Broncos will win the game, but if we're going point spread wise, I think that the Broncos. We'll I may go with the Broncos on this one point spread wise. I think they'll keep it close. I think that they're going to give the Rams more trouble. They may beat them. I mean, I think that the Rams are a little overconfident right now. I don't like to see teams that are overconfident, (laughs) especially this early in the season. I'm going to ride the way. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think they're going to obliterate the Broncos. I I totally feel you on that anecdote. I've been burned so much with that 
Denver, you know, home field advantage, and they kind of surprise you. But uh, this Rams team, I think they're going to ride that momentum and uh, crush the Broncos. So I got the Rams. Mm-hmm. So we got the Ravens at the Titans, 425 game. Baltimore favored by three points. Who do you like? I'm going with Baltimore straight out on this one. I have no faith in Tennessee. I don't I don't trust Mariota. I don't know what they're doing with their running game. I don't know if their defense is going to stop people. I, I mean, the defense is decent, but... I think I think I'm gonna go with Baltimore on this one. I, I agree with you on paper. It seems like an easy pick. Sadly, how inconsistent the Ravens can be sometimes. I wouldn't be totally surprised if they just lost outright too. But uh, I'm gonna go with the Ravens to be safe. Uh, your Cowboys 425. We got the Jaguars. Jaguars at the Cowboys. Jaguars favored. I'm sorry, only three points, which somewhat surprised me. But uh, who do you like? Jaguars by 30. By 30. Okay. So that's why I was picking the Jaguars nice and early. I it, I I don't. Know if I'll pick Cowboys to win another game this season. I'm sure they'll go 8-8, eight and eight, but I may not pick them to win another game this season. That's how little faith I have in them. Um, yeah, sure, sure and easy, yeah. I mean, they totally. shouldn't beat the, they shouldn't even beat the Jaguars, though. I mean, even on but the best day right now, they yeah. shouldn't beat the Jaguars. They shouldn't, because the Jaguars' defense, I mean, if, if Dak Prescott couldn't throw the ball against bad defenses, which he can't, the fact that he's going to have to pass the ball against the Jaguars', uh, the Jaguars defense, I mean, it's, it's, ter- it's just a terrible, terrible thought. I don't know how Zeke's going to be able to run the ball with the Jaguars not covering. They may not even cover the wide receivers on the outside. They may just bring 11 guys in the box the entire game and, uh, and force Dak to throw the ball out of bounds every time. I'm feeling a two or three interception Dak game, and I'm ready for your the wrath of Andy next week. So I was thinking at least you. nine interceptions in this one. <laughs> so He's throw nine tip pass times nine interceptions. NFL has a pay-per-view game next week. Sunday night game. Wow, so exciting. The Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. Superstar game. Patriots at home favored by 3.5. Who do you like? I think the Patriots are going to win big. Wow. Big. Wow. I think that the, I think Kansas City is like that team that they always seem to be great at the beginning of the season. And then right when you're ready to like, you know, give it up to them and say like, hey, this team is going to make a run, they go and, and they'll lose a game. And I just think the Patriots are starting to get it together. I think the Patriots are kind of like the opposite of the Chiefs where they may not always start fast, but they continue to get better, I guess, as the season goes on. And I think that uh, I think they're going to have a real tough time in doing it. If it was, gonna, if it was in uh, Kansas City, I might feel a little bit differently, but I think sure. that this game in New England, even though Mahomes has not disappointed me to this point, I think that the Patriots are going to give them a little bit of a beating. See, it's funny, like, how you're going to pick the Cowboys the rest of the season to lose. I am obviously going to pick the Patriots to win every every week. I, mm-hmm. I you, know, you know, winning the battle but losing the war, I feel like it would almost be good for us if we lost this. Um, I think there's been a lot of hype around their offense, you know, with Edelman and um, Gordon looking good. I feel like this might be some false hope if we, like, like to your point, like, obliterate the Chiefs. So... I think by losing a close one or losing badly might ground us a little bit. And then I think if the Chiefs lose this, this will give them the fire in the playoffs to like come back and beat us. So if, if this loss meant that we'd win in the playoffs, I'd take that. But uh, I like I like the Patriots as well. Um, and then I don't want to say a stinker of a game, but um, we got the 49ers, Jimmy G-less versus the Packers Monday night. Um, the Packers are 9.5 favorite at home against the Jimmy G-less 49ers. Who do you like? Yeah, that's an interesting one because, I, I mean, the Packers, you would think, should beat them up, but they just, they kind of haven't really done that. They they haven't looked that great. Uh, nine and a half, it's, I mean, I, if it's, it's in Green Bay, I'm, I guess I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Rodgers that he'll do the right thing there. So I'll go with Green Bay, but I think I'm doing it kind of like with one eyebrow up. You know what I mean? I'm just not yeah. sure what to really think about them at this point. And San Francisco, I don't think has been like as terrible. I think that they're, you know, you lose Jimmy G and you think that they'll 
the world is going to kind of hate yeah, him. Like, but, um, I, compete, I think I the think. Packers are going to win. I just don't think they're going to cover. So, like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the 49ers there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how we do next week. We'll keep track. We'll see who the winner at the end of the season is. Um, now, let's jump to our weekly quick hit section. This is a section where uh, we go over a couple topics, kind of minute or less, and I get Andy's opinion. Andy, best game of the week? Any game that stands out to you last week? Last week? Uh, well, geez, I mean, I think I think the Cowboys-Texans game was real entertaining, but um, I think if you're looking at the most, probably the best game for me was probably the Rams-Seattle. I think that those are two teams that uh, compete competing for the uh, NFC West. I just think that that, that game was kind of like what you want to see out of those two teams. So that that's probably what I would go for. And then I think second would probably be uh, the Vikings in Philly. I thought that was a really good game too. Yeah, I'd lean towards your latter one just because the, the quality team mistakes. But I agree with you that the Cowboys-Texans for the, the drama, it was, uh, was kind of exciting. And Can't then, forget about the Giants losing on a 63-yard field goal. Oh, I, I take I, that back. That was crazy. That was crazy. I'd love um, to throw that one in there. Yeah, no. Totally. I was just like, there's something about super long field goals that just go crazy. They seem so hard. Um, I'm not sure if anybody outside of New York cared about that game, though. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Andy, your your pugilistic your pugilistic sports experience, boxing, MMA fan, not fan. I love I love it. I mean, I love boxing and I love uh, UFC. So okay, I don't always get the fights, but I do pay attention to them. I do you know watch and I make sure I kind of watch them back after the fact if I don't get it live. So we missed an opportunity to get your pick. What what would your pick have been in the Connor Khabib fight before it happened? I think I would have probably gone with Connor because okay. I like Connor. I'm not sure if I would have been sold on it. I think it would have probably been like just based on like seeing Connor and I, I don't really doubt Connor. I, I think that that's what it comes down to. Even if the guy uh, was probably a favorite, like this guy, I mean, he's obviously a big time fighter. Um, but I think I probably would have, if I'm being fair, if I'm being honest, I probably would have gone with Connor for the fact that I would have liked to have seen Connor win. I think he could have pulled it off. But I think he did get a, he did get pretty beat up in that one. So. so did you see the highlights and what did you think? Do you think it deserves to be a rematch? And what are your thoughts about the post fight kind of brawl? Oh, I think they have to rematch. I mean, whether whether Connor, I mean, I think Connor was off for two years. If I if I'm if I'm um, correct, I mean, he yep. he, he didn't right. fight for two years. So I think not that not that you want to use that as an excuse, but I think that that is a fair excuse if he wasn't quite up to like what his standards are. Now I don't mean I don't know if he win the fight even if he was you know kind of at it top of his game but I think given everything that happened I think they'd be nuts to not have a uh, rematch because I mean this, if this if this one made money I mean I think that one is going to make even more money because of what happened after the fight so I, I, I totally agree with you on all points quick tangent almost to a T your exact explanation is kind of why and don't scream at me why I sort of want to watch Pacquiao Mayweather too now I know like all my fight fan friends will probably like laugh at me and stuff I don't know if I totally buy the whole uh, shoulder surgery he wasn't punching a full power thing but I think partly because I want to see someone knock out Mayweather and I've seen Pacquiao's power but at this point they're so old I, I don't know if I really want to see it but what would you, what are your thoughts about Pacquiao Mayweather too? Oh, I'd love to see that too I mean okay. I love Pacquiao I'd, I'd still love to see Mayweather lose a fight I do have a ton of respect for Mayweather and, and kind yep. of how he how he fights even though I don't like it drives me nuts watching Mayweather fight drives me absolutely nuts because I want to see him knock somebody out and I want to see him get knocked out and I know that that's just style that's how great of a boxer he is and that's what boxing is it still drives me nuts and i still want to see him get knocked out the guy drives me nuts how do you go how do you go bankrupt when you make as much money as he does i, I don't understand what this guy spends his <laughs> money on andy we're totally in the same boat i mean trust me when i was watching that connor uh mayweather fight there would be nothing in the 
world. Like I'm talking all four Boston sports team winning a title in the same year, like the you know quad championships, title town. I would have taken Connor knocking out Mayweather, sitting on him, and then walking to a ring post and raising his arms. It would have been the, you know, that's just something Connor would do, like do his rubber arm walk and stuff like that, just to create that drama, that fanfare, whatever. Um, that would have made me super happy. Um, but I think he 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 knows what he's doing, right? Because he's creating that angst against him where you want to watch an up and comer like a triple G or someone with knockout power go up against a super defense and you're always hoping for that chance for someone to knock him out so I'll, I'll sadly be a sucker and probably pay for the Pacquiao Mayweather fight for that last chance to see somebody knock him out but we'll see yeah and well and I, I just want to kind of add to I mean I know that uh, I know that uh, Khabib is getting a ton of crap about that whole yeah that brawl yeah you know thing afterwards uh, mm-hmm. I mean I kind of look at that in two different ways so obviously sportsman wise you would kind of hope that the guy would take his win and gratefully yeah, get out exactly. but at the same time I almost don't blame him for doing it because like the personal attacks and that type of thing and I know that that's a big part of like Connor's um, game or whatever but if you start going after guys like religion you start going after his dad and you start going after some of the things that he does get so personal like that I mean I could almost just see somebody snapping in that situation especially if there's other guys involved in it. it's not like he attacked like a like a you know wimpy little nothing I mean he went after a trainer right I mean it's basically what he did it, so just the bad blood that's in there and the amount of hype and all that I would say that I'd be I would hope that somebody wouldn't do that but at the same time I can't exactly go nuts over it because I'm like if this guy attacked my dad this guy said something about you know me on a personal level like that you just don't know which, how you're going to react to that so sure. I mean for those very reasons I would love to see the rematch so just out of curiosity last 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 question Andy's rules of trash talking and I, I do mean this seriously you would say stick away stay away from family religion race ethnicity yeah, I think that there's certain things. Yeah, I, I do. I think that there's certain things. I don't think you ever attack somebody's race. I don't think you ever attack somebody's family. And I don't think you should ta- attack somebody's religion. I mean, yeah. I just don't think I don't think it's fair. Uh, you know, I, I know that it's trash talk. And I know that that's the mean, you know, I know that that's the meaning of trying to kind of like build it up. And but I think Connor has a way of just like, losing control of what he's saying and I just don't think that you want to go after those types of things and I think there's plenty of ammunition you have without going after that Andy, my, cl- my closing thought, just thinking about it, because I-, I was watching a lot of the post-fight coverage where they were saying Connor, you know, all the trash talking did to Jose Aldo, where he won that, you know, quick, you know, five-second punch knockout win. Aldo, I-, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't watch Aldo that much before that fight. But they were saying from all the trash talking, Aldo was heated and kind of went somewhat uh, aggressively without thinking. And that- that's where he got punched by coming in. I, I, and I know Aldo's a good jujitsu guy, and maybe Connor would have lost to him had they just fought normally with, you know, uh, Jose Aldo being more, you know, calculated and stuff like that. So I'm just wondering now if Connor, I'm not saying he's overrated or whatever like that, but part of his game, his strategy is getting his opponent riled up and him being a counterpuncher, him using that to his advantage. With Khabib being such a monster wrestler, it, it did work. It, it got him angry, Khabib, but, you know, that one punch knockout, I, I guess Khabib took his punches. So I think Connor's strategy work where you know it got under Khabib's skin but the whole knockout you know in the first round or early rounds didn't work so um maybe yeah maybe it's part of strategy I don't I don't agree with it but it seems part of Connor's plan and strategy that's like the way he approaches it so yeah it is what it is yeah I think uh I mean it always I kind of always go back to like when I was playing football in high school and kind of getting ready to play football in college and and all that one of my one of the things my dad always told me was that like no matter how great you are you may be you know the best in the state you may be the best in the country no matter 
matter how great you are, there's always somebody that's trying to be better. And, you know, I just think it's as simple as that. I think that as great as Connor has been, you know, we're talking about a guy who is undefeated and, you know, he just may be a better fighter. Maybe Connor didn't work it hard enough. Maybe even if he worked as hard as he might not win. I mean, there's always somebody that's competing that's trying to be better. And I think that you can't really look at one thing. I think, you know, to go into the fourth round and, and lose by submission, I mean, that's kind of the way that he would lose if he if he doesn't land his punches and Connor doesn't kind of do what he does real well, um, then that's kind of how that happens. And there's no say that he's going to be able to train and get up to the speed and beat him the next time. I think that it could very well be the same type of deal. But I mean, versus Diaz, he was able to kind of overcome it and come back and win. So I wouldn't necessarily doubt McGregor. Um, I still think that he's got the potential to possibly do it, but there's always that person that's training on the other side, you know, to be better than you. So I think that, uh, I think it could be as simple as that. Totally, totally. Well, that's all the time we have this week. I'm John Lee. And I'm Andy Benzwitz. Hope you enjoy the show. You can reach out to us at Be Nice Andy on Twitter, Instagram, and Be Nice Andy at gmail.com. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. Bye. Bye.